Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Jill Maurer never thought she'd become a meat inspector. Oh my goodness, you know, that's the thing we joke about the most, that we didn't grow up as young people saying, I want to work in the packing house, that's the best thing ever. But in the early 90s, after she finished college, Jill was trying to figure out her future. And the job I was at was rather dead-end, and my dad was not happy I was not using my degree. (laughs) So... The guy I was dating at the time, his uncle was a federal inspector in Wisconsin. The uncle was pressuring her boyfriend to follow in his footsteps and inspect Mead. Of course, my dad said, I think you're going to do it too. So Jill applied, took a long test, and then she went back to work at her dead-end job. And then one day, sometime after, she got a phone call from someone at the USDA regional office. And she goes, we have a job in Dakota City, Nebraska. Do you want it? Yes or no? And I said... Uh, what? We have a job in Dakota City, Nebraska. Do you want it? Yes or no? And if you don't want it, you gotta let me know right now because I can move on to the next person. And I'm not kidding you. It was that fast. And I'm like, um, yes. What about your boyfriend? He did not get hired. <laughs> and so off Jill went to Nebraska. Her first day was interesting. I'm a farm girl. So it's not like I had not been around animals or seen them butchered or anything, but stepping on a beef kill... If I hadn't owed people money and I signed a lease to my apartment, I'd I'd ran out of that building. (laughs) The first thing that grabs you, and I came in July, so you got to remember it is hotter than Hades in there. 110 with humidity, it, it is just nasty. And then the smell hits you because you're opening up animals. I was like, what did I get myself into? But over time, the smell stopped bothering her. She was even entertained by how much it bothered tour groups. And they come through and they're plugging their nose and you see people like, you know, like they're going to throw up and you're laughing at them because you're you're cutting away. And somewhere along the way, the job that started as an accident became a lifelong career. Jill stuck to it for 26 years, first at the beef plant and then at a pork plant in Austin, Minnesota. But a while back... The USDA allowed some changes in her plant. And those changes started bothering her, much more than the smell ever did. So much so, she decided to risk her job because of it. It just got to a point where it was bugging me so much what was going on that I I just needed to tell someone that this is wrong, that it should not be moving forward. From the Vox Media Podcast Network, this is Future Perfect. I'm Dylan Matthews. This season, we're looking at how the meat we eat affects us all. Today on the show, the changes that Jill and others are so worried about. They're all connected to one thing, a push to speed up the processing of meat in U.S. plants. As our guests will tell us, speeding things up is demonstrably bad for the workers at these plants. But it might also be bad for the health and safety of people who eat meat. 
Before we get to what's changing in a meatpacking plant like Jill's, let's get a clear sense of what a traditional meatpacking plant looks like. To do that, we're going to speak to Isaac Arnsdorf, a ProPublica reporter who dug deep into chicken meatpacking last year. His big takeaway was... These are dangerous workplaces. There's just really no way around that. Like, just to give you a concrete sense of this danger. Overall, the injury rate in poultry processing is higher than in coal mines or construction sites. The chicken factories are the number one source of finger amputations of any industry in the country. And meatpacking in general is risky business for workers. The main reason why are the line speeds. Animal carcasses and meatpacking plants travel along something akin to a car assembly line, except they're taken apart instead of put together. And the carcasses fly along this line fast. Right now, the maximum speed that a poultry plant is allowed to process birds is 8,400 birds an hour. That's 140 birds every minute. There will be a few workers doing each task so they're not touching every bird, but still, Workers only have a handful of seconds for each bird they do interact with. And Isaac says that that speed causes real problems. So, for example, one of the tasks is cutting the breast meat off the bone to make skinless, boneless chicken breasts like people buy in the grocery store. If your knife slips, you can end up cutting yourself or cutting your neighbor. And there are sort of chainmail gloves that you can wear that would stop the blade, but that's very cumbersome to be using when you're going that fast, so that usually doesn't happen. Once the breast meat is cut, the next worker in line actually pulls it off the bone. The danger there, that you're not using anything sharp, but it requires a lot of force to actually pull the breast, depending on how well it was cut previously. And so that repetitive motion of the squeeze and pull... That can lead to carpal tunnel. And not like the more mild carpal tunnel you get from typing. Isaac spoke to one man at an Arkansas plant who cut meat off bone. And by the second month, working these 12-hour shifts, his, his fingers were locking up. And he felt like a burn going all the way up to his shoulder. The man went to the company nurse, but was told not to go to a doctor and to continue working. Until eventually... The nerve damage was so bad that he needed surgery in both arms. And meatpacking plants employ a lot of refugees and other immigrants, including undocumented immigrants. Isaac says that leaves workers vulnerable, and it makes it really hard for them to fight for better conditions. It's so bad that workers in some plants have trouble taking bathroom breaks because it would slow down the line. Yeah, I mean, everywhere I I reported on, obviously the official policy is, of course, you you can take breaks, you just have to ask. But in practice, you know, I talked to people who said that the supervisors wouldn't give them permission and they saw people who soiled themselves because they weren't allowed to leave. Line speeds are also very fast in pork and beef. Fewer pigs and cows get processed every hour because the carcasses are so much bigger. But workers still have to make very, very quick cuts. So they too have problems with carpal tunnel, with tendonitis, and with knife-related injuries. But for a long time, there was at least one silver lining. Line speeds were capped for pork and for beef and for chicken. So they were fast, but they weren't going to get any faster. Until... The National Chicken Council is asking the U.S. Department of Agriculture to allow poultry plants to speed up the inspection system. Ramping up line speeds, ramping up the speed of production. USDA wants to increase the line speed to 175 birds per minute. Make it faster and faster and faster. 
The recent push for faster speeds actually started back in 2012. The Obama administration considered a new higher speed limit for chicken lines specifically. But the USDA got a lot of pushback about worker safety. And based on all the feedback, the Obama administration said, yeah, we won't do this. But what happened later during the Trump administration is the industry renewed its push. And this time, the administration was more receptive. The New Yorker recently published an investigation into money that the Trump administration got from the chicken industry and how that might have made them more receptive. Whatever their reasoning, the administration decided to let individual plants ask for permission to bump up speeds. Their waiver applications could be as short as a single page. And then the agency, the USDA, signs off on that. And then one by one, they started letting plants increase their line speeds. Over 50 plants have been given waivers. One of the early plants to get a waiver in 2018 was a plant called Fieldale Farms. This is a plant that had a serious worker injury in 2014. His leg needed to be amputated. The accident happened because of a grate that wasn't fixed. OSHA records indicate that the company then tried to cover up their mistake. And then just a year later... We need an ambulance here. Uh, right away, we have a guy not breathing, they say. A different worker died because of some faulty wiring. And so... This, this plant has, has some horrific accidents. How does it get on, on the list to start increasing line speeds? Because safety record wasn't a factor in that evaluation. OSHA is the government office that looks at worker safety. But OSHA has no control over line speeds. Only the USDA does. So plants only had to apply to the USDA. So basically, they asked nicely and the USDA said fine. Let's linger on that for a second. It's been scientifically demonstrated that speeding up the line would make problems like tendonitis and carpal tunnel worse. There's also evidence suggesting that higher speeds make knife-related injuries more likely. But to paraphrase what the USDA said when we reached out for comment, their job is to think about food safety, and they think the meat will be safe to eat. Worker safety isn't in their purview. And that's why plants like Fieldale, plants with horrific safety records, skated through. It's concerning that these decisions about speeds are being made even though they could harm workers. But what about this idea that the meat, at least, is safe at these higher speeds? Jill Maurer, our federal meat inspector, disagrees. She disagrees so vehemently, she's put her whole reputation on the line. More on that after the break. Welcome back. Before the break, we told you about the changes in line speeds that have been in the works for the past few years. But those changes actually have a long, long legacy. The current push owes a lot to the turn of the millennium, when the USDA and the meatpacking plants decided to try a little experiment. Which brings us back to Jill, our federal meat inspector. Her plant was one of the guinea pigs. We got pulled in the lunchroom cafeteria because there's employees and inspectors. Late in 1999, a USDA guy came to talk to Jill and the other inspectors and all the workers at her pork plant. 
He told them the plant was going to be part of a pilot project. And two, and eventually five, pork plants across the country, they were going to try something new. Bottom line, speed up the line. Faster line means more production, means more money. But Jill had a lot of concerns. Because in order to make sure that the meat from this faster line was safe, the pilot plants were going to have a very different kind of meat inspection. The premise was, I remember this, it was hands-free, but not hands-off. Up until that point, both in the beef and the pork plants she'd worked at, Jill had been extremely hands-on. She'd collaborate with a team of other inspectors to check the meat for fecal matter or for signs of disease. And to do that, she'd make a bunch of cuts into the lymph nodes and do something that's charmingly referred to as puddling guts. They call it puddling. It is puddling. And you stick your hands in it, and then you fan out the intestines to check for TB in the mesentery lymphatic system. And then you also look at the upper and lower side of the liver, spleen. But for the pilot, the plant was going to have these new microbial tests that were supposed to ensure safety more effectively than inspectors just eyeballing things. And as a result, instead of having a bunch of federal inspectors like Jill making cuts with their own hands, workers from the company would be doing the cutting. So it was more of uh, we would observe them to make sure they were doing it. And then if we saw that they were not taking care of a problem as they have written in their program, we can step in and take regulatory action. It's up to the company to kind of be policing itself. That's Isaac Arnsdorf, our ProPublica reporter. USDA inspectors were still visually checking the meat, but microbial checks were the key here. The industry's position, and this is what the USDA ultimately sided with, is that from a food safety perspective, it's really all about microbes. And so that's being done with chemical treatments and controlled by basically bacterial tests. Jill didn't like that the workers were now making the cuts in the meat. They had no federal training, and because there was this new microbial test, they were making fewer cuts. They don't have to make the five cuts or to three to five cuts like a USDA inspector does. So that was a hard thing for inspectors. Jill still did her best to inspect from a distance, but she wasn't pleased. And she wasn't alone in her doubts. The five pilot hog plants have been running their experiment now for almost two decades. And I want to be clear, there have been no serious public health outbreaks linked to them. But at one plant in Illinois, workers missed abscesses in the internal organs of a hog, a sign of illness. In a Minnesota test plant, workers missed green and yellow patches of fecal matter on a hog carcass. In 2013, the Office of the Inspector General audited the program. They found problems with oversight, and they found that the test plants were getting an unusual number of regulatory dings. When we reached out to the USDA for comment, they argued that test plants got more dings because they were more tightly, carefully monitored. More monitoring means more reporting problems, means more dings. But Jill at least said she felt pressure not to report problems at the pilot plant. And I did bring up issues that, uh, yeah, that didn't go very well. (laughs) It's all about line stops, you know, because it's all about keeping production running. And if you stop the line, at first it's not a problem, but if it keeps happening repetitively, production supervision gets rather upset. What stands out for me is I would see contamination 
whether it be fecal contamination or ingesta, which is from the stomach, and they'd start arguing with me. You have no right to call that. I mean, it was it was a very hostile environment. So to Jill's mind, and according to the Office of the Inspector General's report, the experiment with the five hog plants was not going all that well. Making federal inspectors take a back seat and using microbial tests might let hog operations speed up the line, but it wasn't necessarily great for food safety. And yet, when the industry started pushing for increased line speeds, the USDA said essentially, well, we have 20 years of data from these test plants saying that that seems fine. So sure, go ahead. It started with poultry. This was the poultry line speed push that eventually led to the waivers we talked about before. And I think we just knew as inspectors that if poultry was going, it was just a matter of time. It made Jill nervous about the potential future of pork inspection. She started thinking about her issues with the new system in her plant. It's various shades of gray. They're not completely wrong, but they're not completely right. And I'm a black and white person. It was um, let it go or it's not that bad. It just got to a point where it was bugging me so much what was going on that I, I just needed to tell someone that this is wrong, that it should not be moving forward. A whistleblowing nonprofit was actually putting together a report about inspections in these test plants. Jill talked it over with a few other inspectors and decided to speak to the nonprofit. The nonprofit pulled together a report with thoughts from 20 test plant inspectors. In the report, the inspectors say the lines are moving too fast for proper inspection, that the workers of the plants aren't trained to inspect properly, and they also say they face retaliation when they raise concerns. Jill's name wasn't anywhere on the report, but her initials were on the last page. And then, of course, and you could read it on the site. Jill assumed that the plant had read it and linked things back to her, because the atmosphere at work had become unpleasant. Oh, believe me, yeah. I, I faced a storm for a while. It was not pleasant at all. I would not uh, recommend that to anybody, not even my worst enemy. I specifically remember after a very trying time, I was coming through the door to get, enter the kill, and <clears throat> an establishment employee stopped me, and they go, how can you come to a place where 99% of the people hate you? It, it, was, a, it was a hostile work environment to say the least. And why, like, why stay in the job at that point? Uh, why did I stay in? That has been asked of me many, many times. Why have I continued? Probably because I did not want my family, friends to get adulterated product. And if it takes me to step in and be a bad guy, so to speak, then so be it. Eventually, things settled down a little for Jill at work. But then, in September of last year, the USDA finalized a new rule for pork plants. This rule would let all hog plants run faster, and it would change inspection. Again, the USDA says this is modernizing the process, shifting more towards more microbial testing. It points to the 20-year test plant pilots as evidence that this works. The plans which, remember, another government agency found fault with. When she heard about this, Jill was frustrated, and she was scared for people's health. And then she heard that the USDA was also considering changing the rules around beef inspection. 
And being that I started in beef, I know the, um, the danger that lies there. Jill thinks it's even more dangerous to change beef inspection because of the technicalities of how we slaughter cows. But also because lots of people eat beef rare or medium rare. I just think there's more opportunity for something to go wrong. I, I thought I have to say something. The first time around in her anonymous complaint, she hadn't seen much change. It felt like it was falling on deaf ears. And so Jill decided to go public with her concerns about the new system, to put her name out there and talk to media people like us and see if that made a difference. I did, I'm not going to lie, waffle. This was a massive risk professionally. She'd already seen the consequences of giving a semi-anonymous statement. But in December of 2019... So... If you are eating any breakfast meats this morning, you're going to want to put them away for this next story. NBC did a segment on line speeds and pork inspection, and Jill spoke out publicly for the first time. Toenails, hair, sexual organs, bladders. That's what's potentially in your pork, according to some of America's federal inspectors. Speaking out for the first time in an NBC exclusive. I can't really remember what was going through my mind besides, I just hope this was the right thing to do. When you open your package of meat, what you're going to get for a pathogen is going to be a mystery. I think it needed to be said, and I don't think it was all for nothing. If I made a few people aware of what was going on, I did my job. It made things tense at work again, but you're still there. And I think what I want the public to take away from this, if they know anything, is that Sometimes I think people just think, oh, bacon just falls off a tree. No, the bacon doesn't fall off a tree. There is actually somebody doing it. Who is doing that work and how matters. It matters that people are losing fingers and legs and are getting carpal tunnel. It matters that inspectors like Jill don't feel comfortable about the food that's coming out of their plants. During the pandemic, the Trump administration rolled out even more waivers to chicken plants, letting them speed up their lines and change their inspection practices. They also gave waivers to pork plants, since the change in pork line speeds hasn't gone through yet. And changes in beef inspection and speeds are still very much on the table. This episode was produced and co-reported by Bird Pinkerton and edited by Amy Drozdowska. Our hosts are Seagal Samuel and me, Dylan Matthews. Jillian Weinberger is the senior producer of this show, and Jared Paul mixes it. The Liana Michelena fact-checked this episode, and Liz Nelson is the executive producer for Vox Podcasts. Viveka Morris from the Yale Law, Ethics, and Animals program advised us. Thanks also to Amanda Hitt and Debbie Berkowitz for their time and their knowledge, and to Kate Daly and Lauren Katz for their help. Music in this episode from APM, Jason Shaw, and Chris Zabriskie. This podcast is made possible thanks to support from Animal Charity Evaluators. They research and promote the most effective ways to help animals. If you like this podcast, we're going to be covering this topic a lot more, and we're in fact hiring an editor to help us do that. We've got a link to Future Perfect's Future of Meat page in the show notes if you want to find out more.